Hi, I'm Dr. Ellen Hendrickson, and welcome to episode 26 of The Savvy Psychologist. I'll help you meet life's challenges with evidence-based research, a sympathetic ear, and zero judgment. We'll use the best of psychology to help you be happy, healthy, and most importantly, yourself. Many thanks to Cindy Jossert of Webster City, Iowa, who offered the idea for this week's podcast. With darkness in their hearts, ice water in their veins, and snake-charming smiles on their faces, psychopaths have a personality disorder that affects anywhere from 0.6 to 4% of the population, more frequently men than women. It's been documented in cultures the world over. So for your next cocktail party, the native Alaskan peoples call psychopaths Kulingeta. Now, the brain of a psychopath is different than yours or mine. It has a smaller prefrontal cortex. That's the part that regulates behavior, impulse control, and planning. And it has a deformed amygdala, the seat of negative emotions like fear, guilt, and sadness. You can't tell superficially who's a psychopath. So let's get to know them. Here are three traits of psychopaths, plus the subtle difference between a psychopath and a sociopath. Psychopath trait number one, fearless dominance. Let's look at fearless dominance from an empathetic point of view, ironically, something psychopaths lack. So imagine total freedom from fear, anxiety, or guilt. You do whatever you want without the pesky hindrance of conscience, social consequences, authority figures, or the well-being of others. You know the rules of society, you just don't care. You're also a master at concealing your hard-hearted self-assurance. On the outside, you're charming, outgoing, charismatic, and convincing. People like and admire you. You're definitely not a loner. You thrive on power and control, which you get from these suckers who willingly seem to take this thing called responsibility seriously. But they're beneath you. These losers deserve to lose. They've had it coming all along. You look out for number one. You also have no empathy, so you're free from dealing with the pain you inflict on others. You get this emotion thing intellectually, so you study it to learn how to act and what to say to get what you want no matter what. You are a master manipulator. You'd be a first-rate cult leader, corporate raider, or dictator. Aptly described by Dr. Martha Stout, author of The Sociopath Next Door, The Ruthless versus The Rest of Us, you are like a colorblind person looking at a traffic light. You know the topmost light is red, and you know what to do about it, but you have no understanding of what red truly is. Psychopath trait number two, self-centered impulsivity. You do what you want, when you want. You need a lot of stimulation and get bored easily. So sometimes you'll drive drunk, shoplift, start fights, torture animals, roofie that girl's drink, or set fires just for the fun of it. You're also totally irresponsible. You don't need to pay people back. You don't go to work if you don't feel like it. You might have a dishonorable discharge from the military. Finally, you're impulsive. You'll walk out of a job, break off relationships, drop out of school, which is for losers anyway, and have sex with many partners, even if you're in a relationship. Why? Because you feel like it. But your impulsivity also means you're more likely to die in a violent accident, commit impulsive suicide, or get killed by someone else. Psychopath trait number three, low autonomic arousal. 
This means your physiology is different from non-psychopaths. Your resting heart rate is lower, your skin conductance is lower, and the beat-to-beat -beat alterations in your heart rate are different from the rest of those losers. So you're cool as a cucumber, even when others react. For instance, when your partner is freaking out, this is when you do your best work. You are part of the 20% of batterers for whom violence doesn't involve rage at all. Instead, your heart rate goes down when you're arguing with, and often, beating up your partners. The epitome was Hannibal Lecter. His heart rate never broke 85, even as he attacked a nurse, and, well, you know what happened next. Now, psychopaths versus sociopaths. Researchers sometimes make a distinction between primary psychopaths, confirmed bona fide psychopaths, and secondary psychopaths, also called sociopaths. So sociopaths are cut from the same cloth as psychopaths with three differences. First, while true psychopaths are confident, social, and dominant, sociopaths are reserved and inhibited, sometimes loners. And while psychopaths are exempt from negative emotion, sociopaths are often hostile and do experience anxiety and rejection. Second, while psychopaths truly have no morals, sociopaths do have a sense of morality and a conscience, but their sense of right and wrong is skewed and doesn't match society at large. Sociopaths are often crusaders or martyrs for a perceived cause. They see their depraved acts as necessary. So antagonistic, withdrawn Timothy McVeigh was a good example. The third oversimplified difference is that psychopaths are born while sociopaths are made, often through exposure to extreme childhood violence and adversity. But it's not as simple as just nature or nurture. The truth lies somewhere in the scramble of genetics, neurology, and environment. So unlike psychopathy, sociopathy can even be acquired Dementia or a head injury can do the trick. For example, think of Phineas Gage from Psych 101. He was an easygoing construction foreman with lots of friends until, in 1848, a railroad explosion sent a 13-pound tamping rod into Gage's eye and out the top of his head. Miraculously, he survived, but even as he physically healed, he became, quote, fitful, irreverent, and grossly profane, showing little deference for his fellows. He was also, quote, impatient and obstinate, yet capricious and vacillating, unable to settle on any of the plans he devised for future action. Basically, this was the 1840s version of calling him a stubborn, foul-mouthed, flaky a-hole with mood swings. If not true acquired sociopathy, at least a close cousin. To wrap up, I'll leave you with the best example of psychopathy I've ever seen. He's not a serial killer, evil CEO, or maniacal despot. He's Eric Cartman from South Park. Cartman is a genuine psychopath. Indeed, making chili out of Scott Tennerman's parents is the tip of his horrific iceberg. You'll find a link to South Park clips that prove Cartman is a psychopath, plus more about Phineas Gage, in the show notes at quickanddirtytips.com savvy hyphen psychologist. That's all for this week. Or maybe I should say that's enough for this week. And a special note, thanks to you, savvy listeners, for getting the savvy psychologist to the six-month mark. This show wouldn't happen without you. If you liked today's show, let me know by subscribing to the podcast, liking on Facebook, adding me to your Google Plus circles, or emailing a link to someone important in your life. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Ellen Hendrickson, 
A transcript of the podcast and references for the studies I mention are always available on quickanddirtytips.com slash savvy hyphen psychologist. Of course, the Savvy Psychologist is strictly for informational purposes and doesn't substitute for psychiatric care or psychotherapy by a licensed professional. Any names have been changed and details altered to protect privacy. Thanks for listening and see you next week for a happier, healthier mind. <laughs>